0: alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin wa Bismillah We're on number 116 116 So, al-musannifu ta'ala wa bi أَمَرَكَ فِي هَذِهِ الدَّارِ بِالنَّذَرِ فِي مُكَوَّنَاتِهِ وَسَيَكْشِفُ لَكَ فِي تِلْكَ الدَّارِ عَنْ كَمَالِ ذَاتِهِ So he says, He commanded you in this world to reflect upon His creations, but in the hereafter He will reveal to you the perfection of His essence. So it's basically just saying that our role in this life is to look at the things that Allah has created And in doing so gain some sort of insight as to the majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And that that understanding again is an understanding that happens in the inner eye لِتَرَاهُ بِنُورِ بَصِيرَتِكْ So, so, that you may see him, you reflect. We reflect, and we see these created things, and we use that by means. We that's a means by which we see him with the light of our inner vision, as if uh, uh, with with total clarity. Subhanahu wa taala. Uh, and then he says, "But in the next life, in the hereafter, he will reveal to you his perfect the perfection of his essence. Subhana, glorified and exalted is he." And um, this is, you know, from the ilā Rabbiha nādira, the verse in the Quran that says that um, on the day wujūhun yawma idin nādira ilā Rabbiha nādira, that on that day faces will be illuminated, and they will be. Uh, gazing upon their Lord, glancing upon, uh, looking upon their Lord, and in uh, one of the famous poems of Tawheed, of Aqida, uh, Imam al laqqani he says, um, "This is Jawharat al-Tawheed." It's his famous work in uh, in aqeedah. He says, "Women who the but without from the belief is that one that the believers uh, will look at Allah uh, with without you know, and we don't ask how, or we don't say that that normally vision part of vision normally is that it encompasses the thing that it sees, right? So he says that that looking upon God will be one that we don't ask how." beyond our perception of how that will be, and it's a looking that will not encompass him, subhanahu wa taala, because he cannot be encompassed. In any case, uh, that's what that one says. It's not a very long one. We, when he knew that you would not. Re- uh oh, I don't know about this translation here. I don't know about this translation here So this says uh, He knew that he would not That He knew that you would Not have patience over him I'll just leave it that way for now And then I'll read the commentary So he made you contemplate that He made you to witness that which Issues from him, that's fine But the issue is how do you Translate <laughs> Would not renounce him Seems a little bit different Um so here's what Shaykh Shanubi says in the commentary. So he says, He knew uh, from you, O you who is a lover, O you lover of God, that you would not be patient over uh, witnessing Him. Because that is uh, the, the state of the lover with their beloved. Like he, they just can't handle that. Uh, so he may. So he, uh, maybe. I don't know. Hold on. Give me a second. I read this earlier and I thought I understood it, but now I'm looking at it and I'm wondering if I understood it. And maybe I didn't. And if I didn't, then I probably shouldn't say anything. Yeah. It's kinda like he knew that you you wouldn't you know when you're in love with someone you want to see them. And you we can't really the limitations of this life make it so that we can't truly see God in this life and so what he did out of mercy to us is that he allowed us to be able to contemplate him and witness him through that which issues from him from that which he's created so it's connected to the one before it so we, we can out of his mercy he gave us ways that we could know him because our heart it has to, it has to be with him our heart longs for him Glorified and exalted is He There's probably something about the way That they translated it here That I'm just not catching But um, In any case 118 لَمَّا عَلِمَ الْحَقُّ مِنْكَ لَكَ الطَّاعَاتِ مَا فِيكَ مِنْ الشَّرَهِ فَحَجْرَهَا عَلَيْكَ فِي بَعْضِ لِيَكُونَ هَمُّكَ إِقَامَةَ الصَّلَاةِ لَا وَجُودَ فَمَا So he says, since God knows the occurrence of weariness on your part, He has varied the acts of obedience for you. And since He knows of the occurrence of impulsiveness in you, He has limited them to specific times, so that your concern be with the performance of ritual prayer, not with the existence of the ritual prayer. Not everyone who prays performs well. That's also an interesting translation. It's sufficient, I suppose. Um, since God, so it begins by saying, since God knows the occurrence of wariness on your part, He has varied the acts of obedience for you. So, Subhanallah. It's like my my dad. I was telling some people recently. My dad's favorite principle to invoke when uh, we were kids was the law of diminishing marginal utility. The law of diminishing marginal utility He's always talking about the law of diminishing marginal utility, you know. Sure you can have that pen that that food again, that thing that you want, but there's diminishing marginal utility, you know, the more <laughs> the more times you have it over and over again without varying it, then eventually you're going to get tired of it, right? So, uh what he's saying in this hikmah is Allah knows that you have wariness and because of that he gave you all kinds of different acts of obedience, like imagine if the only way that we could worship Allah was through salat that'd still be wonderful but that would be difficult too right? or if the only way that we could worship Allah was through reading the Quran for example, or through fasting but he gave you all of these different things he gave you Dhikr, and He gave you Dua, and He gave you Qur'an, and He gave you Salah. And He gave us um, fasting, and He gave us serving people, and helping people, and charity, and all of these different ways to worship Allah. Lowana لَكَ Ta'at. Lowana literally means like, He uh, colored them for you. No نَوْوَعَ لَكَ الطَّعَاتِ He gave them some flavor. By diversifying them, he gave them some flavor for you, made it uh, better, you know. Wa min fi and he knew that um, that you. So on one side, he knows that you have this tendency. You, general, you, all of us. I don't know why I'm defaulting to you today. Um, on, on one hand, he knows that we have a tendency to become uh, wary with doing acts, doing the same thing over and over again. So in order to deal with that, he gives us this wide variety of deeds. And on the other hand, he knows that sometimes we have a tendency to go overboard. And so in order to prevent that, he made it so that there's certain things we're not supposed to do at certain times. So like there's times of the days when we shouldn't pray. There's um, We don't just read You know There's certain etiquettes To reading the Qur'an To not reading the Qur'an Times when you could do this Times when you can do that So on and so forth So in doing that Then he actually also uh, in, On one side He diversifies it To make it more interesting for us On the other side He restrains it a little bit So that we don't go overboard And all of that Is to get us to the point Where Instead of just having salat We can have Iqam as-salat as-salat So not only are we having the prayer But we're establishing the prayer Uh, In the commentary one of the things he says Is that it's not particularly about prayer But he's using prayer as an example Right So part of what the benefit we get From not being able to do certain acts of worship In certain cases And also having very different acts of worship That we can do Is that when we do do it We're making sure that we actually uh, Do iqama. Iqama is like interesting actually like in modern Arabic in the Arab countries and stuff here iqama, iqama is the same word they use for a visa so you know your iqama is your visa it's essentially your right to stay you're now you're, you're allowed to now have maqam in the place you're allowed to stay in the place so um, and iqama also can have kind of like this iqaw, uh, qiyam is to stand up right like the night prayer we stand up in the night prayer iqama is to make something stand so it's not just that we have some salat, this prayer that's kind of lackadaisical and we're not really paying attention, we're not really whatever. Um, but it's that when we when we do the act of worship, then we stand that act of worship up and we do it well and we pay attention to it and so on. Because, مقيم, you know, Not everyone who does an act of worship is actually doing it properly, right? But all of the diversity and and changes and stuff that Allah is giving us, that those are means by which we're supposed to do better. Inshallah, uh, he says, "فَمَا كُلُّ مُصَلِّ مُقِيمٌ لِّأَنَّكَ خَدَعَلْتَ أَنَّ الْمُقِيمَ لِلشَّيْءِ هُوَ الْقَائمٌ بِهِ عَلَى وَجْهٍ كَمَالٍ مِنْ غَيْرِ نَاقِسٍ وَلَا إِخْلَالٍ." So, you know then that the person who's muqeem, that's establishing the prayer, uh, or whatever it is, they're the one that does it in the most perfect way and uh, without any sort of deficiency. So, we want to do that with our salah. Then he's going to go into some of the hikam around salah itself. So, these are kind of cool because now you're getting into a commentary that he gives on the salah. <laughs> So, you know, it's, um, whenever you study fiqh, in the fiqh, uh, they always will give you, whenever you have something, they'll give you the definitions, they give you the linguistic definition, then they'll give you the definition of the term within the field of law itself. So, for example, they'll say for as the as in the Arabic language and its origin is to, is Dua, it's the same as Dua, to call upon God uh but a salah, shar'an in the sharia the salah is you know makhsusa fi awqat makhsusa min in wa taslim or something along those lines you know they say like there are specific actions done at a specific time beginning with the opening allahu akbar and finishing with the closing salam now this is the salah in that context right now he's giving you like a salah almost in the context of spirituality. Like, what is salah? You know, okay, I know what salah is in terms of the physical act that I'm doing, but what is salah as a spiritual experience? So he says it's ritual prayer is a purification for hearts and an opening up of the door of the invisible domains. Um, So the first part of it refers to the purifying of the heart from its um, uh, from its sins, from the from the impurity of the sins, and Allah says, "Inna that prayer, the salat, prevents from evil and bad deeds. And the Prophet ﷺ said in the famous hadith You know the, the Prophet ﷺ said The example of the prayer is like a river A sweet river that passes by the person's door five times a day And each time that it passes by they wash themselves in it Do you think that there's going to be any dirt left on them? There's not going to be any dirt left on them. right? So this is the example of the Salat. So this is again this issue that the Salat has a spiritual purification to it. It's not just that we wash ourselves and we stand and we pray. But in washing ourselves and standing and praying, there is a sp- there is a spiritual metaphysical purification that is occurring. And this is in the various hadith. And at the same time, it's also talabu fathin li Meaning uh, that it's also a means by which um, the doors to the unseen are opened The doors to the unseen are opened And what he says in the commentary is that that's actually connected to the first part Because what happens to um, that the hearts when they are purified and cleaned then uh, uh, then um, then that's the means by which the veils and the coverings that are upon the heart are lifted and the heart then becomes uh, cognizant. Of the deeper realities and truths And secrets of existence and so on and so forth So these these unseen realities Become known to the heart of the person As it goes through that state of purification So the salah is purifying the heart And at the same time Because it's purifying the heart Then it's a means by which uh, The heart is opened up To experiencing these things from the unseen and Then he continues in 120 And he says As-salatu Mahallul munaja'a ومعدن المصافاء تتسع فيها ميادين الأسرار وتشرق فيها شوارق الأنوار علم وجود الضعف منك فقلل أعدادها وعلم احتياجك إلى فضله فكثر أمدادها So he said uh, Ritual prayer is the place of intimate conversations and a mine of reciprocal acts of purity Wherein the regions of the innermost being are expanded And the rising gleams of light shine forth He knows of the existence of weakness in you So he made the number of ritual prayers small And he knew of your need of his grace So he multiplied their fruitful results um, So first thing first here a As-salā mahal al-munāja' It's mahal al-munāja' It is the place of this intimate conversation Munaja I think we could, we briefly touched upon the idea of Munaja before But these intimate Munaja Is when one talks to Allah intimately And these are kind of like oftentimes when you look at What are known as the du'as of the righteous people You see that basically their du'a is largely Munaja um, It's largely just speaking to God And I think we talked about that in the context of Sayyidina Musa alayhi for example That uh, when he comes under the tree After helping the women in Median And fleeing his homeland He says He says My lord I'm in need of whatever good You might, dis- might bestow upon me And that's not really a dua Right like it's more of a He's just talking to Allah My lord I'm, I'm whatever good you have for me Allah I'm in need of it And the other Um the other example is uh Yunus uh, um, salam La ilaha illa an inni kuntu there is no God but you glorified are you, I'm from those who are oppress, I'm I'm from the oppressors. So again it's not a particular dua, but it's a calling upon God. So the salah is a position, it's a place of calling upon God. It's it's really like a special place for that. And um, even in the reciting of the Fatiha, as um, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned in the Hadith Qudsi, that when the person reads Surah Al-Fatiha, there's a conversation that is initiated between them and God. So there's literally an intimate conversation going on between them and God. That when they say, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Allah says, along the lines of, I'm paraphrasing, along the lines of, My servant has praised me, uh, al rahman and Raheem, he's glorified me, these things. He's turned towards me. Whatever he asked for, it's between me and him. You know, whatever or her, whatever, they, whatever they're whatever they seeking, I'm going to give it to them. It's yours, you know. So there's actually a conversation that's going on um, between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when uh, that dua, or when Surah Al-Fatiha is being read. And then, of course, the Prophet wasallam said, uh, أَقْرَبُ مَا يَكُنُوا الْعَبْدُ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِ وَهُوَ سَاجِد are along those lines That the closest that the servant is to their Lord Is when they are in a state of prostration So these are all times then when we speak to God And we intimately discourse with God uh, And it is also مَعْدِنِ الْمُصَافَةِ It is also the mine The ma'din is the mine Like the mine of gold and so on and so forth it's the place where the work of purification happens also. Musafa is like purification. So, this purification is also happening in this place. And it is the place also where uh, all of these, you know, the heart is opened up to these secrets, as we mentioned before. Uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and it's fiha shawariq al anwar, and the light shine forth in the heart. So, the, the salah is a really big deal. And Allah knows that we are in need. He, he knew how weak we were, how weak we are. So he made the ritual prayers small. Remember in the story of the Prophet then when the Salah is first uh, ordained, the Salah is 50. And then when the Prophet Sallallahu goes back down from the highest heaven He goes and he sees Sayyidina Musa Musa tells him salam, You know you should ask for less, less Maybe because it's going to be a lot for the people I know the people He has like experience right <laughs> He has some really serious experience on the ground um, So he tells him you know Of course the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam does too But Sayyidina Musa really dealt with the people um, So he goes back forth until the Salat The daily prayer becomes five so say Allah knew that it was going to be difficult for us to do more than five. That was going to be kind of like the limit. So he lessened it from fifty to five. But at the same time he knew how much we needed the salat. So he made those five like fifty. And this is what we say about the story, right? That when the when the Prophet goes back and forth to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it becomes five, then it said that the five it's five daily prayers that you have but those five daily prayers will be like 50 so subhanallah allah is taking care of the believer from both sides he knew that you needed less but he gave you the same he gave us the same reward and multiplied the results of the salah as if as if it's 50 times even though it's it's or as if it's 10 times even though it's only one or as if it's 50 times even though it's only five subhanahu subhanahu wa ta'ala one twenty two, he says, بوجود to be وجدان This one's a little bit scary. Mm. So it says when you uh, when you seek recompense for a deed, the reality of sincerity in it is demanded of you in return. As for the insincere, the feeling of security from chastisement suffices him. Uh, As for the insincere, the feeling of security from chastisement uh, Suffices him Mm. Anyways, we'll come to it in a second The first half, when you seek recompense for a deed The reality of sincerity in it is demanded of you in return So, what this is saying is that Allah asks you to do something Allah is the Lord of the worlds, Lord of everything that exists And he deserves to be worshiped whether or not he asks you for it whether or not he promises you any reward for it he deserves to be worshiped subhana and now you're going to come to him and ask for your recompense for that deed right so so in doing so actually what 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 we've done is we've taken something that was supposed to just be really in reality supposed to be an act of servitude and worship and submission and love and gratitude and we've made it a business transaction and so he's saying is that when you do that that if you want to go down that route then know that then the reality of sincerity in it is going to be demanded of you in return so like okay if you want to make it a business contract then let's then to then you're, it's being asked of you That you actually were sincere in that thing And you're, we're, we're better off like Just worshipping Allah Like Allah you deserve to be worshipped I'm worshipping you You give me what you want to give me You don't give me whatever you want to give me Allah it's whatever I'm just putting it in front of you Allah I love you And that's it And you know Then it's, it's like uh, um, Rather than to make it transactional because when we make it transactional, then it's like, okay, did you really fulfill your end of the bargain? And, uh, you know, it's kind of like, you, see, you definitely experience this one in parenting, you know. Because it's like, you should do this because you're supposed to do this. And then, like, they get into the whole bargaining thing. Well, if I do this, can I get this? And this is so on and so forth. And you're like, all right, if you want to go down that route, <laughs> all right, go ahead. If you do it, I'll get you this. But now when you do it, I'm really going to see if you did it. You know, <laughs> like we're not going to, I'm not going to accept like the bed that's half done. If you want if you want a reward for making your bed, you better make that bed. Whereas before I was gonna give it to you if the bed was like whatever, half done, it wasn't gonna be a big deal. But now now there's now it's like, oh, you wanna go down that route? Okay, we're gonna go down that route. So this is what he's saying here. He's saying that, you know, when you asked for the you you asked for the reward from Allah for the deed that you did, then it's being asked of you like if you were actually sincere. Did you have the sidq really or not? Um then he says, "We um, muriba which the translation is—it's is, actually kind of. There's probably multiple ways you could translate it. Um, in the commentary here, he says, you know uh, so he says that the person who has doubts over whether or not his lord will give him the reward uh, even you know whether or not he intended that when he did it then it's sufficient for that person that they weren't punished like like you came to this interaction not thinking well of Allah in the first place, you know, it's it's saying like, if you're an ask Allah for the reward, that that from that deed, then what are you saying? He wasn't going to give it to you? Of course, he's going to give it to you. He's Allah, so you, you don't have to ask in the first place. When when you ask in the first place, there's a little bit of like an accusation in that accusation. Like, there's a little bit of, I'm doubting whether or not he's going to give it to me. So he's saying for that kind of person. Then you know it's sufficient for them that he didn't punish them, he didn't punish them. You know, uh, they've been wujdan as salama, they have security. That just the fact that they've that they came to the interaction like that and they didn't get punished, that's that's that should be enough for them. For, forget the reward and the recompense and everything else. Your reward was that you didn't get punished when you interacted with the situation like that. So it's a little bit, it's pretty strong. I don't know if that really gets across in the translation there, but um. You know, that's at least one of the meanings. That's what he mentions here in the commentary. Perhaps in other commentaries there might be more. (laughs) Allahu A'lam. Unfortunately, I don't know if I can blame it on time, but I don't usually, you know, ideally in in the proper world, I would consult, you know, four or five different commentaries, but generally I'm only consulting one. So, Alhamdulillah, Allah forgive me. Uh, 122 um, So he says that, Do not seek recompense for a deed Whose doer was not you It suffices you as recompense for the deed that he accepts it uh, You know So But what is getting at here Is Allah says in the Quran that Allah created you and everything you do. So he said, "How are you going to seek recompense for a deed who, you're not even the one that did it? Allah is the one who did it. Allah is the one who did everything. So it wasn't even you in the first place, and now you want reward for it? Um, and this it's sufficient for you that uh, that He would accept it. Like that's more than enough. That He would accept it in the first place. Um, is sufficient a sufficient reward? You don't need more than that." Uh, إذا أراد أن يظهر فضله عليك خلقا والنسب إليك. When he wants to show his grace to you, he creates states in you and attributes them to you. Mm. So he says in the commentary إذا أراد الله سبحانه أن يظهر فضله إحسانه عليك أيها المريد خلق العمل الصالح فيك. ونسبه هناك على أَلْسِنَةِ العبيد بان بانك مطيع فينبغي لك ان تشهد هذا الفضل العظيم وتستحي من مولاك الكريم لتتأدب بقوني سهل, uh, سهل بن عبد الله رضي الله إذا عمل حسنة وقال يا رب really so, so he says uh, if Allah wants to show his bounties to you he wants to show his grace to you then, what he does is he creates um, the good deed for you. He allows you to do the good deed. He creates it for you. And then he puts on the tongues of the people their appreciation for the good thing that you did. I'm like, I just think about it, okay? Like, we want maybe we have an intention to do something good. Allah gives us the ability to do that good thing. Um, then it, and then it comes into reality. And when it comes into reality, the people praise us for it, and uh, thank, thank us for it. And in reality, it just came from Allah. So if He wants to really show His grace to you, He creates these things, and then He attributes them to you. He creates it, and then He's the one who created it, and then you're the one who's getting the thanks for it. Um... Yeah, see, there's an element in there of tawheed, not only humility. And you see oftentimes amongst, like, Muslims, you tell them thank you, and they say, oh, I didn't do anything. You know, I didn't do anything. And that's humility, but it's, it's also actually, there's an element of aqeedah in that. That I didn't do anything, which is, like, truly, actually, I didn't do anything. <laughs> in reality, I actually didn't really do anything. I just... Allah uh, let uh, let me do that and that's his blessing upon whoever he wishes to bestow his blessings upon subhana so that's that's like just something to reflect upon that to have the ability to do good and for people to recognize it is a tremendous blessing in <laughs> In adhara joodahu alaik. Were he It should be were Were he to make you go back to yourself There would be no end to the reasons for blaming you And were he to manifest his beneficence toward you There would be no end to the reasons for praising you So So uh, Yeah, so if you if it's going back to yourself, it's going to be nothing but blame. You know, if he if he that's the worst thing that can happen, is that all of the pressure and all of the, um, all of the reliance, and all of the belief of capacity and all of these things it goes back to you by yourself. you like He made it so that where he to make you go back to yourself, there would be no end to the reasons for blaming you. Right. If you if you if you are left to your own uh, i don't want to be left to my own devices right i don't want to be left to my own devices uh the dua of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam ya hayyu ya qayyum bi rahmatika astagheeth wa min adhabika astajir aslih li shani kullah wa la takilni ila nafsi وَلَا إِلَىٰ أَحَدٍ مِنْ خَنْقِكَ تَرْفَتَعِينَ It says, ya O oh you who's living, O oh you who's sustaining, بِرَحْمَتِكَ أَسْتَغِيثِ In your mercy, uh, I seek refuge, I seek, it's not refuge, but like, um, aid, I seek to be helped, saved, I seek my salvation in your mercy. وَمِنْ عَذَابِكَ أستجير, And from your punishment I seek refuge. أَصْلِحْ لِي شأني Rectify for me the entirety of my situation. Rectify for me the entirety of my condition or my situation. It's such a beautiful dua. It's so comprehensive. The du'as of the Prophet and don't uh, أَصْلَحْ لِي شأني وَلَا تَكِلْنِي إِلَىٰ نَفْسِي وَلَا إِلَىٰ أحد مِنْ خلقك طرفة عين. And don't leave me To myself Or to anything in your creation For the blink of an eye Don't leave me to myself Or to anything in your creation For the blink of an eye Like, Don't let me believe Save me From thinking that there is any salvation Other than in you Allah And that there is any aid other than in you Allah And that there is any support In anything other than you Allah Don't let me do that even for a moment Um. So I say, La, the, were he to make you go back to yourself there would be no end to the reasons for blaming you because like if that's what it is you're going to see what it is um, but rather and on and, and the other hand if he were to manifest his beneficence upon you عليك, that he shows his his generosity to you then there would be no um, there would be no end to the reasons for praising you as long as it's coming from Him, it will be endless things that you can be praised for. As long as it's coming from Him. But if it's coming from you, oof, it's going to be issues. Then 125, he says, بِأَوصَافِ رُبُوبِيَّتِهِ مُتَعَلِّقًا وَبِأَوصَافِ مُتَحَقِّقًا Cling to the attributes of His Lordship and realize the attributes of your servanthood. This is also again tied to the same. Sometimes you feel the ordering of the hikam is very interesting I, in the beginning I mentioned this: the the black there's a black covered version that's printed, the book of wisdoms, it's been published in English and it has like a slight commentary on it it's very good and the commentary is very good but it's it has a tabweeb a tabweeb is when the order is changed so you know some people who came and they looked at the hikam and they're like he talks about this here and he talks about that there and he talks about this over here and like why don't we just put everything that relates to dua in this chapter and everything that relates to Salah in this chapter and everything that relates to Tawbah in this chapter or whatever. And that so that translation is based on that. Um, I personally prefer the order of the author. I think there's a wisdom in it. Um and sometimes when you're reading them you feel like almost like um I don't think it's appropriate to say that you're getting, like, comboed. Like, there's a jab and then there's a cross. and <laughs> <like> <laughs> You're getting hit with multiple ones. Because it's not really that you're getting hit with them. It's like you can feel that it takes you to, like, one level. And then the next one will take you to another level. And it'll take you to another level. You feel like you're just swimming into, like, deeper and deeper depths. So this is connected to the one that's before it, right? Um, cling, then, to the attributes of his lordship his might, his power. Know that these are his qualities. Subhana. And, and cling to your attributes of servanthood. So you recognize that he has the most... Uh, we recognize that he has the attributes of majesty and that we have the attributes of weakness and incapacity and need and so on and so forth. He says in the commentary very beautifully, he says, فَإِذَا تَحَقَّقْتَ بِمَا هُوَ لَكَ وَتَعَلَّقَتْ آمَالُكَ بِمَا هُوَ امدك باوصافه فتكون غنيا بالله عزيزا بالله قادرا بالله عالما بالله الى غير ذلك كما يقول المصنف رحمه الله تعالى تحقق باوصافك يمدك باوصافه ثم ذكر ما هو دليل so he says if you realize those attributes that are for you and you hang your hopes On the attributes that are for Him Because you can't realize those Okay Someone You have to to be particular When it comes to The things that are for us We can realize those We can realize Servanthood Poverty Need So on and so forth When it comes to Allah's attributes We can't realize those But we can hang our hopes on those We can hang our hopes on His might On His power On His so on and so forth so when you do that when you do that then he will give you support by his attributes so then when that happens you will be wealthy by allah and you will be mighty by allah and you will be able by allah and you will be knowing by allah and to the other qualities as well as the author will say in one of the wisdoms that's coming Realize your attributes And he will give you strength Through his attributes He will give you support Through his attributes So this is then putting things In the right place Which he continues in the next one And he says He has prohibited you From claiming for yourself among the qualities of created beings, that which does not belong to you. So would he permit you to lay claim to his attribute, he who is the Lord of the universe? They're saying, like, when it comes to claiming for myself something that belongs to another created thing. So, use, like, academia is a great uh, example because so much theft of students... Work and knowledge happens in academia as halatina Halatina That the um, You know like a, a super An advisor will basically Steal the work of their Graduate student and claim it for their own And this is this is Prohibited right you're stealing it from someone else So he has prohibited you from Claiming for yourself among the qualities of Creative beings that which does not belong to you So now I'm doing I'm claiming a knowledge for myself That's not actually mine Or in the Islamic sciences, what often happens, you know, people will do a sort of tadlis. Tadlis in hadith is like when you make it seem like you have something that you really don't have, you know. Um, So like a simple example of this sometimes would be like, our teachers always say about this such and such. And it's actually like one teacher. So now you're making it seem like you heard from 20 different people of knowledge the same point, which was like really strong, you know, when in reality it was only one person or, you know, um, um, when I used to sit with Sheikh so-and-so, he would always say this and you sat with him like twice it wasn't that you were <laughs> <you're> <laughs> it wasn't like you were always with the person and you were always learning from them And so you saw them like once or twice heard something cool and then made it seem like they're your sheikh so these are all kinds of like claiming something for oneself that which you don't really have like it's it's not really mine and that's prohibited so you're saying this is one side of it so isn't it more the case like? so how could it be possible that you can claim an attribute that is his and he's the lord of everything subhanahu wa ta'ala like a Know, know your place You are the servant We are the servants He is the Lord I'm, I don't claim lordship He he is the one who has that He has Izza. He has karama He has quwa He has all of these things Allah has power He has might He has so on, so, so on and so forth <clears throat> He says in the commentary Fa أَنَّكَ غَنِي أو عَزِيز أو قَوِي أو عظيم أو عَالَم كَانَ ذَلِكَ مِنْ أَكْبَر he says that So If You Claim And always in, in Spirituality Let me try to be particular Not my teachers One of my teachers always says In issues of spirituality Beware the maker of claims Beware the maker of claims Someone who's always claiming things I did this And I did that And this and that So, so beware And daawi and daawi Tark daawi is from the biggest things in spirituality, to not ma- not be the maker of claims. And subhanAllah, this idea is like so central to Islamic spirituality, but I hadn't really heard it vocalized until relatively recently. But when you really think about it, and you realize this idea, you start to see it everywhere. You're like, well, there's a claim in that, you know. Um, that's actually part of why we named the majlis, the majlis. It's because there's not much of a claim in it. <laughs> it just means the place where you sit. <laughs> so, you know, there's not much of a claim in it. It's this, this the place where you sit. We're not claiming that it's going to be like the most reformative experience that you'll ever have in your life or ten du'as that are going to change everything that you've ever experienced and will unveil the realities of the world to you. It's like, no, none of that. We're not saying any of that. This is just a majlis. And all we're trying to do is to teach the things that have been taught over the years and to try to do them, and to love one another, and to serve one another, and like that's that's it. We're just trying to do that. We're not doing it. We're trying to do it. So beware of the claim. Allah protect us from being people who make claims. So He says, if you make the claim that you are wealthy, or that you are mighty, or that you are powerful, or that you are great, or that you are a scholar, you're knowledgeable. That is from the greatest of the sins of the heart. any of that is from the greatest of the sins of the heart. I mean this is some heavy stuff, right? Um, that's why there's a little bit of like I think sometimes a misunderstanding um, I've noticed like you know in the self like in the Dars-Nizami program, this is not to hate on the Dars-Nizami at all. this is now I'm just explaining. Dutch Nizami program, you finish, you you go in and you finish your seven-year degree and they call you an alim. You finish the seven-year program, they call you a scholar. Right? And so you have people who literally go into these programs and they're like 14 years old and they finish when they're 20, they're 21 and they come out and they're called a scholar. And then you're like... And then you go and you put that in front of people who studied in places like an Azhar. And again, it's not about the quality of the curriculum because generally speaking, like roughly similar things are being studied. There are differences, but roughly similar things are being studied, right? It's just that they would never call you an alim after you finish that level of study. That just it's not gonna happen. Like, you're not going to be called an alim until you reach the level of a PhD. Not when you reach the level of a bachelor's. Because a seven-year program is essentially like a bachelor's level program. Maybe you could say master's. Maybe some people will argue on it. But in any case, it's like roughly bachelor's, master's level. You know, They're not going to call you a scholar for that. So then people get really... But it's not that people are claiming that they're a scholar. It's that this was the title that the institution has given to a person who has finished that level of study. You know it's not necessarily that they themselves think they're like that but it causes some confusion um, and then you get and then you add on to it in the West another side of it which is like all these people who study Islam in the Academy call themselves scholars but they haven't really gone through a tradition they they're not people that we consider to be scholars necessarily if they haven't gone through a traditional course of study so then it all gets confused and then people are like no you have to call you you know uh Jamal, we have to call you a scholar because, like, you know, they're calling so and so a scholar, and we want non-Muslims to know that, like, we have our own scholarship. And so I'm like, come on, it's like, I mean it, there's too much like thought going into this. At some point, you have to keep it simple. Someone finishes a five, six, year, seven year program, they're not a scholar. That's not our. That's not our tradition. It takes twenty years. You know, it takes mastery of multiple sciences. Not having finished, like, intermediate level or beginning level in in sciences, so on and so forth. So if they do this, then it's from... And if they think that, if they actually think it, so they claim, I'm a scholar, and they really think they're a scholar, and they have no business saying that, or I'm powerful. I'm so powerful. I have so much ability. I can do whatever I want. You know, think about what we tell kids sometimes. You can do whatever you want. No, you (laughs) (laughs) can't. I'm a little bit extreme you know. I don't believe in telling kids They could do whatever they want They can't do whatever they want Allah can do whatever He wants You can do whatever you can Within the limits of your capacity And you can work hard And maybe Allah will give you tawfiq And maybe He'll give it to you and maybe He won't give it to you I'm not going to lie to you <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you can't do whatever you want You're not Allah Only Allah can do whatever He wants uh, <laughs> Again, you know Some people might disagree with me But I think that that's truthful But a person says I'm so powerful I'm so mighty Whatever Like this is a huge sin of the heart. <sighs> okay, I already said that. Uh, and this is there's a hadith qudsi where Allah subhanahu wa taala says in "Kibriya uridai wa al-azmatu izari, fiman na zani wa hira tan minhum anqaytuhu fil nari." So he says, Allah says, uh, I'm just going to translate this directly. Know that Laysa Kimitri Hishay, right? Like there's nothing that's similar to Allah in any sort of way. He's completely dissimilar from creation. But these are the words that we that are used in the particular text. That might is my cloak and magnificence and power is my waistcloth. So whoever uh, challenges me in either of these, I will throw them into hell. This is what Allah said in this Hadith Qudsi It's basically saying like Don't think that you're these things You're not these things Uh, (coughs) Don't claim claim to be Allah Don't claim to be Allah And a lot of actually you know again Sometimes like this idea too Is um, uh, uh, It's also an idea that like We have to be careful You know we don't want to get into play, playing as if we're Allah at In Arabic it's called التألوه. To make yourself ilah you know? And there's very specific hadith on that Like the person who said so and so is in the fire The Prophet was like Who told you they're in the fire? You're probably in the fire You know, paraphrasing So like there's That's not for us to do I'm not God I can't claim the attributes that God has Okay, 127 It's one of my favorite ones actually 127 كيف تخرق لك العوائد وأنت لم تخرق من نفسك العوائد We're going to do maybe a couple more And then we'll stop Oh wow I took more notes than. Oh no Inshallah كيف تخرق لك العوائد وأنت لم تخرق من نفسك العوائد So Al-Awa'id is plural of Aada ad, And it it refers to that which is customary Okay Um, We say that like Generally speaking Things that are known through science They're observed They're, They're a customary ruling Meaning that that's what we observe It observes to be that way so a miracle is that which That a miracle is what breaks the norm. It breaks the norm. It breaks the customary experience of the world. So he says, how is it that Oh, sorry, the translation here. How can the laws of nature be ruptured for you so that miracles result while you, for your part, have yet to rupture your bad habits? So there's that which is customary in the world and there's that which is customary in your habits. So why do you think Allah is going to break The customs, the norms of the world And give you a miracle You're like hoping for that And thinking about that and so on and so forth When you can't even break the custom of yourself (laughs) Like you have You have your your own bad habits And you have your things that you're accustomed to So worry about breaking that Don't worry about breaking what Allah breaks Worry about what you can break Which is your bad habit of such and such Or whatever it might be Um He says in a commentary, which is interesting, by the way, the um, the author of the commentary, um, there's like known miracles that were experienced from him. They're in his biography and stuff. I forget some of them right now, but, uh, but I remember reading them in a different book of his and in the intro to a different book of his. Um, so he says about this, he says, Fa in no kajarat added to Lahi be and let a freak al awaida, let a al awaid al awaidu, illa liman fenia, and hududihi, wellam yakun laha be cassid. For in them tussle illa had makam, lam Takun min ahliha was salam. For in the Hara ala yadika sura, sura sura ta karama. ذَلِكَ فخف من على يدك عن So he says the what has been seen from the way that Allah deals with these sort of things is that he doesn't give these miracles to people who still have their own self-interest involved. People who are seeking these things like ...seeking it for some other sort of self-interest. Uh, he doesn't give it to people like that. He says, so, if you have not reached that level... ...then you're not from those people. And if a miracle shows up on your hands... ...it could be that Allah is plotting against you... ...so be scared of that. Because as they always say in these books... ...they don't say that like just because something broke the norm doesn't mean that it was a karama It could be istidraj So a karama is like a gift that Allah gives to a person They break the norm And it's a gift to them Istidraj is they break the norm But it's not because they're actually doing good It's because Allah is allowing them to remain on the wrong way He's allowing them to remain on the wrong way They could be actually bad It could be a bad person and They're given these sort of things like the Jan will have things that break from the norm right and that's just because this is This is part of the continuation of that person's damnation. It's not actually a gift It's not a karama karama is from karam right from generosity It's the you're letting them go So he says if if you're not from the kind of people that's actually overcome their own self-interest and themselves and so on and so forth And you have these things happening on your hands then fear that Actually, this is just and it's not karama and stay away from it. Meshetnu, one twenty-eight. I'm going too slow today. I'm sorry. Meshetnu, uh, wujud al-talibi inna meshetnu and turzaqa adabi The issue is not that you add. Oh, the point at issue is not the fact of searching. Rather, mm, not a good translation. Rather, the point. At issue is that you be provisioned with virtuous conduct Talib here should not be searching Although it is searching It's seeking But Talib here is dua Talib here is dua So the issue is not Whether or not you're making dua The issue is whether or not you're having the right adab with the dua So just be careful with that uh, he says the issue is not that we make the du'a But that we have the right adab with the du'a as it, um, Because We want to have in the adab We want to be turning our affair over to Allah We want to have um, uh, God what's the word We want to have Oh my God, the translation is not coming to me right now. We want to have, uh, to turn our affair over to Allah, we want to be satisfied with that which He has given us. We want to be busy with remembering Him and depending upon Him. As is in the hadith, masalati as sa'ilin." That Allah said in the hadith Qudsi, the one who is busied with my remembrance, so much so that they do not ask me, I give them better than that which I give to those who ask. It's very important Hadith Qudsi. The one who's busied with my remembrance such that they do not ask me, I give them better than uh, what I give to those who ask. So maybe let's just do one more so that we can finish on a clean 130. ما طلب لك شيء مثل الاضطرار So he says "Um, uh, Nothing pleads on your behalf like extreme need Nor does anything speed gifts to you quicker than loneliness and want So What is the best thing that will help you In Allah giving you those things that you want I don't know what is going on in that living room right now These kids are so crazy Alhamdulillah they're a blessing Mm, They're good kids But they're just funny sometimes Um I uh, got distracted. Nothing pleads on your behalf like extreme need. So, you know, what is it that really helps you in, the, in that which you are seeking from Allah is this state of extreme need. State of extreme need. Really feeling our neediness towards Allah. And what is it that brings Allah's gifts quickly to us is the, again, the state of lowliness and want. <laughs> So to feel those things um, is th- is the best position to be in. Uh, and he says at the end of his commentary on this, the, the commentator he says, <laughs> It's really beautiful, actually. He says, and understand here. The statement of the Prophet that لا حول ولا quwwata illa billah There's no might or power except with Allah Is a treasure from the treasures of paradise Because everything that's going to come to you And everything that's going to come to us From the gifts of the unseen From the generosity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, The best thing that we can put forth to get those things Is our own neediness And our own loneliness And our own um uh submission to Allah that's what brings us those things so he says wala hawla wa la quwwata illa billah is a treasure from the treasures of paradise because the, the essence of that is the recognition of the person's need and uh, reliance and utter dependency upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalala, jalala. Um, so we'll stop here, inshallah. We'll continue on 1:30 next time. Sallallahu <laughs> alayhi wa sallam. Sayyidina Muhammad wa wa sallam. wa wa